بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ریڈیو رمضان 87.7 FM سے میں آپ کا ہوسٹ زبیر اکرم آج ایک دفعہ پھر ریفلیکشنز پروگرام لیے ہوئے حاضر خدمت پانچ اپریل تین رمضان المبارک کلاسکو میں آج افطار کا وقت ہے آٹھ بج کے نو منٹ اور ہر روز کی طرح آج بھی ہمارے ساتھ ہمارے مہمان ہیں شیخ رضوان محمد انشاءاللہ ہم صورت الروم جو کہ تیسویں صورت ہے قرآن حکیم کی اس کی ابتدائی سات آیات کی آج دوبارہ تلاوت سماعت کریں گے اور اس کا انگریزی اور اردو میں ترجمہ اور پھر اس کے بعد ہم اپنے مہمان سے اس ان آیات کی مطالب اور تشریح کو سمجھنے کی کوشش کریں گے تو سورہ روم پہلی سات آیات بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Alif Lam Mim Alif Lam Mim The Byzantines have been defeated In the nearest land, but they, after their defeat, will overcome Within three to nine years, to Allah belongs the command before and after, and that day the believers will rejoice. In the victory of Allah, He gives victory to whom He wills, and He is the exalted in might, the merciful. لا يخلف الله وعده ولكن أكثر الناس لا يعلمون 
It is the promise of Allah. Allah does not fail in His promise, but most of the people do not know. They know what is apparent of the worldly life, but they of the hereafter are unaware. Sadaqallahul Adheem Sadaqallahul رومی قریب کی سرزمین میں مغلوب ہو گئے ہیں اور اپنی اس مغلوبیت کے بعد چند سال کے اندر وہ غالب ہو جائیں گے اللہ ہی کا اختیار ہے پہلے بھی اور بعد میں بھی اور وہ دن وہ ہوگا جب اللہ کی بخشی ہوئی فتح پر مسلمان خوشیاں منائیں گے اللہ نصرت عطا فرماتا ہے جسے چاہتا ہے اور وہ زبردست اور رحیم ہے یہ وعدہ اللہ نے کیا ہے اللہ کبھی اپنے وعدے کی خلاف ورزی نہیں کرتا مقصر مگر اکثر لوگ جانتے نہیں اور آج کی جو خصوصی آیت کہ لوگ دنیا کی زندگی کا بس ظاہری پہلو جانتے ہیں لوگ دنیا کی زندگی کا بس ظاہری پہلو جانتے ہیں اور آخرت سے وہ خود ہی غافل ہیں اور آخرت سے وہ خود ہی غافل ہیں کیا انہوں نے کبھی اپنے آپ میں غور و فکر نہیں کیا اللہ نے زمین اور آسمانوں کو اور ان کی ان ساری چیزوں کو جو ان کے درمیان ہیں برحق اور ایک مقررہ مدت ہی کے لیے ایک مقررہ مدت ہی کے لیے پیدا کیا ہے مگر بہت سے لوگ اپنے رب کی ملاقات کے منکر ہیں صدق اللہ العظیم السلام علیکم شیخ آئی تھنک یور اوکے Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. So third of Ramadan, Sheikh, uh, here in Glasgow. Um, time uh, for iftar today is just a few minutes past 8 o'clock. I'll, I'll confirm the exact time shortly. I think it's 8.09 today. Um, Surah Rum and more, uh, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, I kind of read the Surah today, some of it, uh, and different translations. And what we have covered so far, I will, as a, as a student, I will uh, like you to verify what I've understood. So there is this historical event that happened between two superpowers of the time, around the time where Prophet Sallam had uh, given his um, call to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in the, the, the Valley of Mecca. And Muslims were few. They... Uh, from their heart, they were siding with the Romans, but Romans got defeated and there was a bet that happened between Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, and uh, one of the pagans in, in Mecca. Um, the bets were um, against... The, 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 what they did was that Muslims thought they had lost or Muslims thought the Romans had lost, and they had lost, but they were so certain that they will win again. And we try to understand the significance of this with the prophecy, and was this, uh, and with this event, Muslims getting uh, a point across that we have access to Wahi, 
we have access to the unknown through our Prophet Is that understanding correct that this was also a point to be made in that place? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, so your, your, your kind of summary is generally correct. Um, the main reason why I think people uh, close to the Prophet and specifically the most closest of the companions, such as Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, um, felt the justification to create a bet between himself and, in this case, Umayyah ibn Khalaf, was this degree of certainty that he had with this the revelation that it was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is wa'adullah. This is the, you know, the, the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and as the verse continues on, that God will not go back on his promise. And so that, it's almost like you're saying that you're promising that this, this football match will be decided with this specific score or in a marathon, this person will specifically win and you promise that that's the case. The way that you, um, you know, you kind of, put complete faith in that is to put something that you feel is um you know kind of valuable to use it is money on the line in a, in in a, in a case of betting and this is exactly what happened between Abu Bakr and Umay ibn Khalaf and you know this is you know in just in a legal sense you know there's a whole discussion in the Hanafi school of Islamic law on the permissibility of you know a contract which is um otherwise impermissible to be permissible if it's done in um, a country within which the, the rules of Islam are not completely applied. So there's all these other issues here as well um, that come out in this kind of episode. But for us, the important thing is that he had such certainty that the that the victory would be given to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's people, the muhsinun, that he placed the bet there. And essentially, that bet was seen as being a serious commitment because both Abu Bakr put down a surety and also Umayyah ibn Khalaf, you know, put down a degree of surety when he went to Badr. And, um, you know, what's interesting is this is all from the unseen because it's, mm. it's a prophecy. It's a prophecy in different ways. It's prophesizing two things. It's actually prophesizing, uh, you know, in a parallel way. It's it, You think it's prophesizing the victory of the, Byz the Byzantines. And this actually happens in the year 622 with Heraclitus. And when he defeats the, the Sassanid Persians again, and this is the promise. And it's the same year that the believers win Badr. And but the Quran here is not um is not mentioning either, it's not saying why the believers will be rejoicing. All it says is that the the believers will be rejoicing in the in the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah does not go back in his promise. And that's mm -hmm. exactly, you know, um what's interesting about this, you're not sure what the what the believers will rejoice upon because on the one hand they'll rejoice upon the fact that is it because the Quran came, came to be true and they're already believers remember they're already believers they still they believe this is from God they have oh. no monetary let's just say they have no monetary financial temporary temporal gain from saying that they're Muslims at this point in time at all you know in Mecca the opposite you've got a lot to lose you have everything to lose in fact your family mm. status, you've got wealth, you've got lineage, you've got access to power, everything, every privilege you can think of. Yes, uh, you know, at the time of the conquest of Mecca, yes, there's gains to be, there's, there's, there's um, financial, let's just say financial gains to be had to be Muslim. And mm. we know that from the people that became Muslim the day of the conquest of Mecca to Muqarramah, a lot of them, you know, scholars do say that a lot of them became Muslim because of the, the financial gain. And so we just accept and face value they became Muslim. But what's interesting here is 
Why are they rejoicing? Is it because the prophecy became true? And so they're rejoicing that, that what they believed in it actually comes out to be true? Is it are they rejoicing because the Byzantines beat the Persians? And why should they rejoice? Is there something special about the Byzantines because they're Orthodox Christians? Maybe. Is it because the people of the the the, the, the companions who fought in Badr were victorious? And it's Badr al-Kubra, it's the greatest Badr. Not just because it's the one that actually took place, but it's it's actually as a victory, it's considered to be the the one point in which, you know, the first battle against the Prophet Ali Sallallahu is seen to be futile and you know there's an outpouring of angelic help to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's companion, you know, the companions, Allah's people, chosen people, because they chose themselves, not because they're genetically chosen. And so there's different reasons why you would say that they were going to Yafrah, that farah, Yafrah al Mu'minun. Why is this farah there? What is this elevation, elation, happiness, joy? Is it because of any of these things? It's because of all of them. And so it brings you to the, the, the idea that, you know, that to God belongs the, the affair. The affair here is Al-Amr is the order to do things and, and to make things happen. God's affair is at the beginning and the end, meaning at all times, unconnected to specific events. And so you, you could say that it's it, it is related to the revelation becoming true. It's related to the Byzantines winning. It's related to the Battle of Badr taking place and the Muslims being victorious. But I think at a deeper level, it is the believer should always be in a state of farah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the Prophet said that li khair. That you know how amazing is the state of a believer or the affair of a believer, the amr of a believer. So we were saying, for God is the affair at the beginning and the end in all times. The Prophet said, you know, how amazing is the affair of a, of a believer. The, 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 you know, the affair here means being the events in the person's life. Because all of it is good for them. Because in if difficulty afflicts them, you know, Hamida. He's patient and it's good for him And if it's or her And if If good make things that happen That make them happy Take place hmm. they, they're, they're, they're full of gratitude And it's good for them So the farah is not You know one thing you could say is Well we will, we will be happy when something good happens So imagine Um you're in a country and there's a sport that you like and then the country wins the World Cup or something. And so because of that, you become happy. Or you you support a specific political um, party and they win and you become happy because of that. Or your child achieves something and you're happy because of that. So you're usually happy because of something. And so a child, when they're given something by their parent that they wanted, they open it and they, and the elation and the happiness is farah. Because mm-hmm. of an event, a cause, cause and yeah. effect. And so what I see in, 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 in this chapter is the fact that you know the state of believers should be one which is a constant state of farah. Because are they not believers? Are they not people that know that the the the, the, the you know but what Allah mentions wa'ad Allah, the promise of God, that God does not go back in his, his promise. It's not utopian a bit idealistic that they should be but are we are we not hardwired not to be? 
Yes, absolutely. We're hardwired not to because that's why I mentioned all the events, all the specific things yeah. which are, you know, you're happy because of something, cause and effect. Yeah, yeah. So and we so, were all going to be happy because of something. And then people, uh, I mean, uh, going into some kind of depression or some kind of um, unhappy, unhappy state because something isn't happening mm -hmm. is also to be recognized, to be acknowledged, as absolutely. you said, or to, to be owned. Yes, absolutely. Because if you're in a state of, of difficulty, you, there's two things here. There's two things. One is to recognize, is, there's two parallel things. One is to recognize the state, which is difficult, could be a difficult one. So you're saying, okay, there's a situation where you didn't win the World Cup, World Cup. the child did not get the toy, the, the politician that you like did not win, or, or whatever. That's a sign of dejection, you know, heart-wrenching, defeat or whatever and obviously you go into a state of sadness huzn. and so you know that's real because that's one aspect of this whole thing this is why the poet says Alam tara anna adbara. you know do you not see you know he says don't be don't be sad because do you not see that you know to uh, to blame yourself and to have you know thoughts that are negative you know doesn't change anything doesn't change anything at all if it's happened and it's and it's taken place. So um, that's the important thing I think we have to understand here is that you know these kind of things don't um, affect us in in certain ways, but they do in other ways. You have to own that and you have to accept that. But after having known that you're in that state, you also have this other layer of acknowledgement and belief that it's that there is a degree of wisdom, a degree of um you know kind of planning and a degree of um you know kind of you know soul building that's happening and taking place at the point that you are in this situation that you would rather not be in hmm. because you know the battle of uhud you know you're, it's not the battle of badr it's the opposite and it's almost like you know quote unquote a situation where it's not a victory, whether it's a defeat or not, it's another thing, but outwardly it seems to be uh, the opposite. Hudaybiyah uh, seems to be the opposite, where the Muslims are, are told to, to pack up and leave. And so all these things are considered to be what we would say, they shouldn't, they, that's the day that the believers shouldn't be happy. But Allah says, that we have opened up for you an amazing victory. And that's at the point where they're essentially going being being told to go back in human in, in not humiliation but being humbled because they're not doing what they wanted to do and the companions they realized that and they were they left in that state of sadness and so i think one of the, the aspects of this is that when we come to this specific um episode of you know realizing that the truth is 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 as it is and it's a cause of of happiness that everybody understands that that's why it makes sense. But when Allah says, is telling, hold on, don't just restrict your happiness and elation and certainty in Allah only on the points at which everything goes the way it's supposed to go and you're told it's going to go. So, because, uh, yeah, I just, I just found this. Uh, I was, while you were talking, as there was a poem of Iqbal that was going through my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's on gum, right? So it mm -hmm. says, Gum nahi gum, 
روح کا ایک نغمہ خاموش ہے جو سرود برپت ہستی سے ہم آغوش ہے شام جس کی آشنائے نالائے یارب نہیں جلوہ پیرا جس کی شب میں اشک کے کوکب نہیں جس کا جام دل شکست غم سے ہے نہ آشنا جو صدا مست شراب عیش و عشرت ہی رہا ہاتھ جس میں محفوظ نوکے خار سے عشق جس کا بخیر ہے ہجر کی آزار سے کلفت غم گرچے اس کے روز و شب سے دور ہے زندگی کا راز اس کی آنکھ سے مستور ہے زندگی کا راز اس کی آنکھ سے مستور ہے کیوں نہ آساں ہو غم اندوہ کی منزل تجھے اقبال تو یہ کہتا ہے کہ زندگی کا راز اس کی آنکھ سے مستور ہے Yeah, so he's saying basically you're blinded from the, 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 the elation and happiness of life. I mean, that, yeah. that's what I understand. If you don't taste gum, like it's yeah. cubs and bust, right? Yeah, so it's, it's the thing. That's why, you know, that's why the Quran, you know, at the point where you're really happy, the Quran is saying on that day, the believers will be happy. Allah is almost ordering. So it's a disc, it's, in Arabic, it's called a khabar, which is that on that day, the people, believers will be happy. It's almost saying, like the Quran says, um, you know, people, believers should be happy in this thing. You know, be happy. Or it's an order, like command to pray and to fast. It's an order. And um, you could say that that is the case. But the thing here is that why should we be happy or sad? The happiness and the sadness complement each other because with the sadness, you realize what happiness is. And with happiness, you realize what sadness is. Mm-hmm. And it's only when you... You're at the, you know, you're at the door of defeat, and you and you claim victory. That is a farah which is far greater than a farah which, you know, you have when you know you're going to be victorious. Mm-hmm. You think of you know a, a challenge where you know the person's too good to be, you know, too good to be defeated. Not not any nobody's interested in that because you know the result. And the real kind of test is when you know that there is choices. Mm-hmm. This is why faith is so. is so dear i mean this is why islam and iman are so weighty in the eyes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there is equally plausible options of not being in a state of faith you know to so the quraysh why was it an uphill battle for the prophet to convince the quraysh because there was options that they had that were equally plausible and you could argue that today there's more plausible options in fact there it's not arguable i think it's pretty clear rather than just black and white there's you know there's the whole <laughs> rainbow of opportunity to choose anything you want mm. and so there at that point that's when faith becomes like the prophet said there'll be a time um when holding on to faith is like holding on to hot, hot cinders and coal because there'll be so much choice and that's one aspect of that hadith of the prophet that you're living in a time when you know faith is easy but there'll come a time when holding on to iman is like a person holding on to the, the, the shards and the and the, the heated coal mm. from the fire because it's difficult. And so that is absolutely true. What Iqbal is saying about you know you know the, the real secret of of uh, happiness is in the you know in in, in the folds of despair and d- difficulty. That's how you understand the, the, the contrast between you know happiness and sadness, elation and dejection and so on. 
And that's why I think this this beginning of the chapter is so interesting because it tells you there's something to be happy about. Mm. But then it tells you, you know, as I said before, you know, the famous signet ring that was, um, you know, given to one of the khulafa, you know, you know, this will also, also pass because the happiness will pass, the sadness will pass. It made him happy when he was in a state of dejection and it made him sad when he was in a state of uh, elevation and happiness. That's because that's the way that Allah has created the world because you have choices. Reflections of Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad on Radio Ramadan. Uh, you're uh, either on TuneIn uh, on our website rr365.co.uk. Uh, we are also on Facebook Live, both on Radio Ramadan and iSyllabus. Uh, inshallah, uh, we will be back after this short break where we will continue with the commentary of the first few ayahs of Surah Al-Dum, the 30th Surah of Quran, a short ad break and inshallah we'll be right back. Radio Ramadan 87.7 Sound for the soul. Strawberry Garden, special Ramadan offers. Cheer yourself up with amazing Ramadan deals on fresh fruit, vegetables and fresh meat. We have lots of in-store offers to choose from. Come and see us. Strawberry Garden, 11th 4th Street, Glasgow. Strawberry Garden, a name you can trust. Big Day Events, Scotland's biggest Asian caterers and event planners, specialists in full wedding packages with access to numerous venues from countryside retreats to five-star hotels. From 100 to 1,000 guests, we can cater for your event without compromising in quality or service. Ensuring a successful and carefree event for you, call Big Day Events on 07-855-861-802 or visit us on bigdayservices.com. Everybody may do Your car is the second most valuable investment after your home. It's important that it gets the love, care and protection it deserves. Introducing Charisma, specialising in car detailing, ceramic coating and mobile valeting. We are one of Glasgow's top rated detailing companies and our team have a combined 10 years experience in car care. Protect your investment by visiting www.charismaworks.com or call 07-482-438-140. Charisma Works, bringing your vehicle back to life. Fully certified and insured, mobile and unit-based services. Appointment only. Dunya ko jagana hai, sab ko batana hai. Ramzan mein maslo ko rasta dikana hai. With years of experience and an extensive portfolio, Shield Associates provide an excellent accountancy and bookkeeping service. So if numbers and deadlines are giving you a hard time, come along to our office on 215 Albert Drive. Shield Associates, the accountants you can trust. Radio Ramadan. Eighty-seven point seven. Yeah, Rabbi, yeah, Rabbi. Sound. Be for the soul. Bashir, kahiye, nasir. 
जो सर्वसर है कलामेरा वो मेरे आका की जिंदगी है ये सुमारा करम है आका की मेरे Reflections of uh, Amir Host Zubair Akram and uh, my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, this is uh, third of Ramadan, and iftar today is at eight o nine in Glasgow. Um, surah Al-Rum, thirtieth surah of Quran. Um, just before going to the break, uh, we were discussing the aspect of both uh, farha, the, the the happiness, and the contrast it has with gham. Um, the sadness and how one takes you to the next state one takes you to the next state yes that's right yani bust and cubs so sheikh um, another thing i've been meaning to ask you on this one so this this says two superpowers did muslims side with them just because of commonality of faith or was it something to do with the concept of justice? Is it okay. asabiya of faith? Hmm. Or is it something that they thought they were on the right side of this conflict? All right. So so basically you're, you're saying, did the Muslims want the, the Byzantine Orthodox Christians to win because they were Christians? Hmm. Or was it because that they also were, you know, on the truth? Yes. Or just so i think i think there i think it's pretty clear from you know a number of things i can just think of top of my head the when the prophet Isim sent his letter and that happens in the year seven and eight in the medinan period to heraclius um to for him to accept islam what's said about his his acceptance of the letter is that it was strange whether he accepted it or not he just respected it and mm. he also asked Abu Sufyan, who was there at the time, what do you say about this person? And he mentioned the very famous description of the Prophet that he was a person that brings, you know, truth and justice. And he is not a person who sought kingship and all the rest of it. 
And um, he left, in a sense, you know, in one of the narrations it says that if he was here, I would wash his feet and, and you know, wash his feet out of servitude to the Prophet So this is something that's very interesting in Sirah, which I've looked at in one of the courses, that there's a deep respect amongst the Byzantine Orthodox Christian leadership for the Prophet but it never comes to the point where it's actualized in the life of the Prophet whereas in the Rome, in, sorry, in the, the, the Sassanid Persian Empire, it's the opposite. They're sent the letter, they read it, mock it, rip it up, and he sends, you know, the 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 Khusro, he sends um, people to arrest the Prophet from Yemen, because Yemen was in the control of the Persians at the time. Mm. And um, they arrive in the Medina Nawara and they end up becoming Muslim because the Prophet says, may Allah, you know, he's ripped up my my invitation may Allah rip up his kingdom yeah. and so essentially there was an empty enmity there that later on appeared in the Medinan period but that means that it was an enmity prior to that which means that the Byzantines were much more because they were Christian and they had this you know which means that before the coming of the Prophet they were on truth in some way because according to Ash'ari theology which is the majority theology in Islam Sunni Islam you know they're considered to be Ahlul Fatra, people of the, the the period between two prophets, mm-hmm. and so if they stuck to the teachings of the previous prophet as much as they could, they would be upon a true path, and so obviously they were true because of belief, but they're also true because they had more sense of justice. They had, you know, um, they had this Pax Romana, which was this basic concept that there was laws and and regulations that you abided by and if you abided by them you had your your relative autonomy mm. whereas the, the persians were much more brutal and mm. imposing in their in their leadership that's one thing so, i so think the other what, sorry go on yeah no no what's the question uh, so what what happened with the collective uh, kind of uh, wisdom of the ummah world war 2 Turkey was on the wrong side of history. Well, mm-hmm. if we can say that, uh, wrong or right. Th- World War One, you mean? W- one, yes. Yeah, World War One. World War One. So the, t- t- you know, it was. Um, and so the Ottomans, the- you mean the Ottoman Empire was on the, on the wrong side of history, meaning it sided with the the um, yeah, so with the Germans. Yeah, and then the, it seems that they paid the price for it for, like over for over more more than a century. Mm-hmm. And with them, the, the Muslims paid a price. Then came 79. And I, I heard people, uh, there were voices, why um, Muslims should be siding with US and not USSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and 30 years later, 40 years later, um, there's a change of policy. There is a change of shift. Even within those those times, the Syria, the... the uh, there, there were countries who were kind of in Cold War. They were with USSR, uh, and, and then there was section of Muslim uh, nations. They, they were with US uh, again, two superpowers. Hmm. Um, maybe, maybe let's discuss a bit on that, and then I'll come on to what we are witnessing today, and where the hearts should lie. Yeah. So the thing about the First World War, the Second World War. Turkey was an independent secular state and it was basically non-allied. It was neutral until the forming of NATO and, you know, as a buttress against the Soviet Union. 
but in the first world war i mean it's it's there's a lot to be said for the fact that they weren't they were on, yeah on the, on the wrong side of history meaning on the wrong side of what eventually happened in terms of victory hmm. but i mean if you were going to argue with me that they were making the wrong decisions i would vehemently disagree because i i give a lecture on this a talk on this on the ottoman position on the first world war which if you look at it ethically according to just the most human humanistic understanding of what's true and just and and anti-colonial you would be very hard pressed as a muslim to argue that the, the allies in the first world war were on any type of truth because they're the because they're all the colonial powers they're all the powers that were raping and pillaging and 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 basically decimating whole parts of the earth taking their resources enslaving people putting them into servitude um, that's not something the German the German nation did, and so the position of the of the Ottomans was a perfectly logical position, because just because you know I have a passport of a specific country does not mean that you have to abide by the decisions of the people that went to war at a certain time, especially when it's clear what they did. Mm. You know, in terms of you know, if you look at the subcontinent, the, the amount of resources they plundered from that very very rich part of the world are still recorded in brutal detail. And so the fact that you you come to the you, you're on the wrong side of not history but the wrong and you defeated doesn't mean you're wrong. Hmm. This means that you know the other side and what they stood for was victorious not because they were true but because they had more power and more planning and and had um, more allies and more money and whatever it is. And that's the reality of it and I think um you know what's happening in 1979, same thing. People had to choose sides between two superpowers, and that's why Afghanistan's in the state it is now because of the fact that, you know, the the standing government chose the USSR. The USSR then and took more, you know, tangible control by invading, and then you had a, res a revolt against that, which was then funded by the Americans, and then you had people like Bin Laden, you know, freedom fighters. Who were who were celebrated by people like Rambo, as we, we, we always forget now. The Americans loved the Mujahideen at that time. Uh, Ronald Reagan, in fact, invited them to America to wine and dine, not wine them, but dine them. So yeah, so all these things are, you know, memory, people's memories are are very, very short. And I, I know I was speaking to some young people here in Turkey because Turkey is going through a very difficult economic situation. Mm. And they were and they're all you know 25 up to 28 years old and they're all complaining about the inflation and the currency and this economics and all the rest of it and the thing is they don't have no idea what it was like before the current parent present government yeah the the abject poverty i'm talking about you know long queues i'm talking about kilometer long queues for bread i'm talking about no gasoline i'm talking about um garbage piled up and not collected for two weeks yeah. Whereas now we here the, the garbage is collected three times a day, where just where I am, which is common. Um, the infrastructure's changed, you know, everything's changed, but the people are always lack um, gratitude because mm -hmm. they, they don't they've not seen anything apart from, you know, as they say, you you're brought up with a golden spoon. And so what's happening now is interesting as well because. It's the same thing. I think the height of naivety for Muslims, given this chapter, is just to take the slogans like freedom and democracy 
and human rights on face value and say, oh, who's saying human rights? Oh, let's just, let's just, let's just follow them. Because essentially, the people that are saying it, the same people that deny it to the, their own people in their own country, like America, doesn't, doesn't give black people any kind of right. Hmm. You know, there was a the comedian, um, David Chappelle, and he did a sketch about the fact that his house was robbed. He was robbed in his house. Hmm. And he said he didn't phone the police because if the police came, they basically say, oh, the person who's, who, because they don't know who whose house it is, they would say, well, the, the person who robbed is still here. And they'd arrest him because they didn't think he deserved such a nice house to live in. And he made a joke. He said, they can't, they come in and they say, oh, we found the robber. And he's, 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 um, He's very, very clever because he's put pictures of himself all around the house just to make it look as if it's his, his house. And so that's the reality of black people in America. And, you know, and the American foreign policy is is full, full of um, extremely devious plots. I mean, that's just the way it is. So the thing is, I mean, taking sides, you take the side of truth. You don't take the side of people that say that they're on, on, the, on the same Side is here. But, but it, is it the case that this surah does form um, a point of information for a lot of Muslims and theologians have used this as kind of like the underlining fact, underlying factor of uh, foreign policy of Muslim powers? I think, um, you know, nowadays you could, you could, and I've seen people do that, I think mistakenly, but they have, they've said, okay, the Byzantine Empire was Orthodox Christian, and so who's Orthodox Christian? It's Serbia, it's Russia, mm. it's parts of Hungary, it's parts of Romania, uh, and there's parts of Constantinople, Istanbul, um, and so therefore we have to side with the Byzantine Empire or the remnants of it, which is the Orthodox, rather than Rome, which is Catholic, you know, or Protestant Europe. So there's people like that, but that's I mean, there's there's no there's a big jump to say that this verse. But well, this chapter is saying that we need to, you know, side with Rome. Rome remembers the Byzantine Empire. But the thing here is to understand that the Rome was essentially Constantinople. Constantinople was the center of Christianity. Rome was nothing to be nothing because in the I think the fifth roughly, but the fifth mid, mid of the fifth century, Rome was decimated into a backwater. It was no longer a power. Um, and even Catholicism, when it when it ended up um, coalescing in Rome, there was always a, a kind of struggle between Orthodox Christianity in, in Constantinople and the Catholic Church, and that's the, called the Great Schism. It's in Christianity, it's called the Great Schism between the Catholics and the Orthodox. It was continues to this day. What I I think is interesting is because of the fact that this is perhaps this is for our next time if we open it up, it'll be a big discussion. But because Rome. And Constantinople and the, the Byzantine Empire are tied in with Muslim understanding theologically of the end of time. That's why there's a whole theological thing about who should we side with the truth. You know, who's on the truth? Mm. Who are the people that are mentioned in certain hadith about of, from the Prophet allegedly from the Prophet or, or purportedly from the Prophet that mention, um, you know, Constantinia, mention a Rome, mention a Romia, three different terms. And so people say, well, these words must mean something. And let's look around in the world and see where are these people? Where is Rome? Rome is in Italy. Where is Romia? Okay, that's the word for Rome in, 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 in Arabic. 
are Rome in in general? What is that? It's the const, it's the kind of Byzantine Empire, Orthodox Christianity, and therefore people say, okay, where are these people? So does that mean Russia is Orthodox? Therefore, we should side with them, or is it? Does it mean that they're the people that will fight us? There is another thing that comes to mind. So our thinking process relies on what happened in history and how Prophet ﷺ and his companions reacted to some of the events in history and what their sides were. Do we have a free mind to make our minds up now what's happening and be uh, uh, like pragmatic about, you know, there is right and there is wrong and there is an analysis of what's right and wrong. And the analysis could be wrong. Um, someone who proclaims faith or stands for a certain faith may be unjust. And also, we should also not look at strategically by making a statement, what kind of difficulty are we putting some parts of our own community? Mm -hmm. So the information is based on facts of history and scripture decisions are made because what happened 1400 years ago and how it is documented in quran that muslims sided with or do we start afresh and we make our minds up as and now mm -hmm. I, mean, I think it's pretty clear because the quran is not dictating to you that these are your allies till the end of time it makes general statements about the fact that the that you'll find the, the most closest to you from the people of book are those that say we are the people of you know Isa ibn Maryam. So that's kind of clear that the Quran mentions that, and that's kind of that's like a headline that we know that Christianity, people of of, of belief in 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 the, in the church will be closer and more have more affinity than say, for example, people that are in a state of polytheism or even um, Bani Israel was considered to be intensely um, hostile to Islam because of the fact that they consider themselves to be the chosen people hmm. and so they were saying well you're in complete um, darkness because of your, your Islamic faith but the thing here is you, you know, the Quran says you know, stand up for, for truth and justice even if it's against your own self so in these kind of situations you have to look at what's, what's right who's acting ethically who's killing hmm. civilians who is speaking truth and it's not always the case that everybody is. This is the thing. So if there's two people or two or two civilizations fighting or two nations fighting, it doesn't mean one is completely this this bastion of, of enlightened values and the other one is a demagogue. What we know, even in the current conflicts in, in Ukraine, is I was watching a, a documentary about from the BBC of all places about the rise of the far right Nazi influence. Um, elements in Ukraine straight after the the revolution in 2014 which basically was saying that this country is going down a, a very dangerous um, route meaning that you know what Putin is saying is essentially that, that he was one of his plans apparently was to denazify Ukraine and all of a sudden if you go to the BBC website now it's this article after article debunking the fact there was any kind of presence of, of Nazis or Nazi ideology in Ukraine when they themselves had special documentaries and news nights on the fact that they exist. Yeah. So are you going to believe a state-sponsored um, you know, agency providing news to tell you the truth? No. I mean, the believers have to be much more um, 
non-aligned in these kind of situations and be with the people that are suffering, helping people and realizing there's a game behind the game. There's a yeah. game being played behind the game and it's pretty obvious. I mean, if you just look at the situation in Ukraine, it's pretty obvious that the NATO specifically invited Ukraine into a situation where Ukraine would be devastated. And they basically did it knowing that they could not support them. So I think a lot of the blame for that, according to all the best analysis, is on the, at the door of NATO itself because it said we'll support you knowing full well it couldn't. And therefore, why should you decide with just because it's a Western power, just because you know it has a massive propaganda machine, just because it vilifies another part of the world? Is it just black and white that you follow the, you know, the state agenda? I don't think so. And especially in a situation where it becomes clear that it's... it's 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 um you know it's at the headline of this a very racist um state which differentiates between different types of refugees all of a sudden the blue eyes and the white skin gives you the privilege to walk into a country where as before the people who resemble the prophet isa ali salatu wasalam in their color in their tone in their in in everything were denied entry entry into europe because they were the wrong color so does that yeah. mean the prophet isa would not be accepted well throw him at your church I mean, this. I think the Ukraine thing has brought up for me a lot of the lines of, of open hypocrisy in the West, which now are, are are not able to be, you know, brushed under the carpet because it's open season where you say exactly what you believe deep down. You say it in public, using the public apparatus of state media, and the politicians, you know, unashamedly parrot all this, knowing that it it shows. The fact that their enemy is Islam, it is the foreign, other, brown, whatever it is, it's not anything except that. And I think it's blown the cover of this sense that, you know, Europe does have some kind of, um, you know, humanity at its core. It has racism at its core. It's very clear because its humanity only stretches as far as the color of a person's skin. Alif Lam Meem. رومی قریب کی سرزمین میں مغلوب ہو گئے اور اپنی اس مغلوبیت کے بعد چند سال کے اندر غالب ہو جائیں گے سامعین اس وقت ہمیں کچھ فون کالز موصول ہوئی ہیں کہ یہ ریفلیکشنز کا وقت جو ہے صرف انگلش میں ہوتا ہے اور اردو میں بھی لوگ سننا چاہ رہے ہیں کہ افطار سے پہلے بہت سے لوگ ہمارے اس پروگرام کو سنتے ہیں تو یہ سورہ روم ہے جس کی ہم تفسیر شیخ رضوان سے سن رہے ہیں اور ابھی ہم نے جو سنا وہ یہ کہ مسلمانوں کو ان آیات کی مدد سے جو چیزیں اللہ تعالیٰ نے سمجھائی ہیں وہ یہ ہے کہ آپ جسٹس کے ساتھ آپ عدل کے ساتھ کھڑے رہتے ہیں اور ہر وقت اپنا تازہ تجزیہ کرتے ہیں حالات کے مطابق یہ ایونٹ جو یہاں اس صورت میں ہمیں بتایا گیا وہ ہمیں اس لیے بتایا گیا کہ مسلمانوں کا جب کسی جگہ پہ جنگ کے بارے میں سنتے ہیں تو اس کے لیے اپنا ایک امیج بنانا اور اپنا ذہن بنانا ضروری بھی ہے اور عدل پہ مبنی ہونا چاہیے اور وہی عدل کے ساتھ کھڑے ہونے والے لوگ یہ یہ صلاحیت رکھتے ہیں کہ جو سامنے نظر آ رہا ہے پردے کے پیچھے بھی اس کے پیچھے جو پلیئرس ہیں جو کھلاڑی کھیل کھیل رہے ہیں ان تک بھی پہنچا جائے اس وقت یوکرین میں اور رسیا میں جو سچویشن چلی ہے 
اور ویسٹ جس کے ساتھ ہے یہ اس طرح سے بلیک اینڈ وائٹ نہیں ہے کہ ایک فریق بالکل ٹھیک ہے اور دوسرا فریق بالکل غلط ہے بلکہ اس کی تہیں ہیں اور ان تہوں میں گھس کر کے ہمیں ایمان کے ساتھ اور بصیرت کے ساتھ اس چیزوں کو دیکھنا چاہیے کہ کیا چیزیں ان کا اصل مطلب کیا ہے اور جو لوگ سفارا ہیں ان کی جو سفارائی ہے وہ کہاں تک ٹھیک ہے اور کہاں تک غلط ہے اور یہ بھی ممکن ہے کہ دونوں ہی فریق اپنی اپنی جگہ پہ ظلم کے علم بلند کیے ہوئے ہوں اور ظلم کے مرتکب ہوں دونوں ہی پارٹیز ظلم کے مرتکب ہوں اور ان سچویشنز میں مسلمانوں کو حق بات کہتے رہنا چاہیے سو شیخ دس از آلسو پاسبل دیٹ بوتھ پارٹیز آر کمیٹنگ ظلم اینڈ وی ہیو ٹو سیو فار واٹ اٹ از Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, <laughs> this is the whole point of having aql is intellect is um, that you use that. I mean, the, the, why, why should why do you why should you take somebody else's headline and make it your headline, hmm. or somebody else's agenda and make it your agenda when you have faith? Faith is not something that you believe in in angels and you believe in fairy tales and you believe in something unseen and that's it. Faith also yeah. gives you. based upon scripture a sense a criteria based upon which you decide what's right and what's wrong actions words speech you know people's plans everything you you can you can weigh and measure in a way that most people can and you have the added advantage of saying that you cannot just restrict your allegiance and your support just because on the basis of genetics race mm. nationality you're beyond that so okay if you do that then you're in a very interesting situation because you are you are unique because you're not just saying it because you're part of you're you're american or you're a german or you're a you know you're a georgian or you're from belarus or you're from russia you're saying it because this is true hmm. and so the believers the prophet said should be with truth wherever it is Actually, just to conclude today's program last i think eight to nine minutes left Um, before we go for iftar ya'lamuna zahiran min al-hayati ad-dunya wa hum 'anil akhirati hum ghafilun people simply know the outward aspect of the worldly life but are utterly heedless of the hereafter allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ayat karima mein farmata hai ke musliman log bazahir log duniya ki zindagi ka bas zahiri pehlu jante hain aur aakhirat se wo khud hi ghafil hain kya unhone kabhi apne aap mein bhi ghaur nahi kiya Yes, yeah, so this relates actually relates to the previous verse, which is wa'ad Allah. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La yukhlifu Allah wa'ada. That God does not go back in his promise. And then Allah says, وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ But rather, this idea of promises and God's promise will become come true. That is the fact. But most people don't know. And so the fact is that, you know, you know, when I was talking about, when we we're talking about Russia and talking about Ukraine and the war, this idea of knowledge is not it's not blind following it's not what quran constantly attacks which is this idea of um, you know as the quran says you know all they follow is adhan which is conjecture and 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 supposition and also what they they desire themselves their tahwil anfus is what you yourself desire and so this is what most people are like most people will just follow read newspaper you know one drop of truth a hundred drops of falsehood read a whatsapp message one drop of truth 
you know, a thousand drops of falsehood. Anything that comes without verification, without sources, is going to be of that nature. And so generally the rule is, most people don't know. And then you're, you're kind of left thinking, well, what is the re what is the, what what is the reason why most people don't know? Hmm. So you have to. Th this is how you have to think because you asked me about the next verse, which is verse number um, this verse number seven. seven. You can't answer that question of what that verse means unless you start to think about. Rather, most people do not know. What's the reason that stops people knowing things? Is it because? The investment in, in education at university is not good enough? Is it that the people are not literate at school? Is it because COVID hit and, you know, there's two years of students not being able to have their literacy skills up to scratch? I read a report today that children in nurseries are finding it difficult. You know, this is nurseries children are finding it difficult to speak and communicate because they've they've been speaking to people with face masks on so that, you know, the, the nursery teacher can't communicate with a smile or it's very difficult for the kid to know what's good and what's not because they look at the face rather than what the words word means and so they're having difficulty communicating and so they're having difficulty knowing يعلمون. they are having difficulty knowing what to do when you know somebody is happy how do you respond you smile back all these skills are based upon information and knowledge and you know just general education and so we have to think, what is it that is stopping them knowing? And then the Qur'an answers that question, because I think it's probably the most important question. And it, and you have to connect it back to this, the beginning of the chapter itself. All they know, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا What they know is, so they, they do know something. Allah says, most people don't know. But then it says, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا They know the outward form of the world of this life mm. but them they themselves about the hereafter they are in a state of heedlessness so there's a lot of emphasis in this chapter the way i translated it was trying to emphasize that that uh, that that um you know that um, that kind of stress no it says so it's kind of Putting forward what should be at the end, anil akhirati. So it's saying, it tells you right away what the problem is, al akhira. You know, mm -hmm. if you like, it's, it's put. If you asked why they not, why are they not, why are they? The Quran says, nas la Most people don't know. The answer to that is the akhira. The akhira is missing here. There's some problem with their processing of the idea of akhira. Because mm -hmm. that is the thing that will focus. It's like the glasses you put on. That allow you to focus and know what you need to know in the context of morality, reality, ethics, truthfulness. And so what the Quran is saying is they know the outward form of the outward life that they live, which is, is eating, drinking, commerce, finance, GDP, inflation, currency rates. All this they know perfectly. This is what they know. Victory, mm -hmm. defeat, you know, the Persians of one, the Byzantines of one. But what's the problem? They themselves, about the hereafter, it is they that are in a state of heedlessness. So what is it, the question that comes up is then, what is it, what's so special about knowing the hereafter that makes you know things? Ultimately. Mm -hmm. Now you could, you could ask but Kant, Emmanuel you know, Kant, that. 
Yeah, if you 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 know if you know Akhira, according to this. So, well, you, if uh, something came to my mind just now, which is Immanuel Kant, which is why I said it because I was otherwise going to forget completely what I was thinking, because this is exactly what he said that you cannot ha understand justice as being something you should do or truthfulness or goodness to be something you should try strive for unless you believe in another. He didn't say Akhira, he said something else, but essentially another life. Because why is it logical and true to act justly and truthfully if you know you won't get the benefit of it in this life? Imagine you're speaking the, the words of truth and you get killed because of it. What's the purpose? Unless you know that at some point you will get the result of your truthfulness. What's the point of having faith in difficulty unless you know at some point you're going to get the benefit of your faith? What's the point of filial piety to your parents or your relatives and sacrificing for truth unless you know at a certain point you will get the reward of that? And we know in life you don't get that. History will tell you that the people that are on standing on truth are under, under um, tanks, slaughtered, mutilated in, in mass open graves. Kant says... If to only make only way it makes sense that people do this logically is that there has to be somewhere where it ends up happening, which is akhirah. And if there's akhirah, there must be somebody who judges, which is God. So he proves God exists not because he thinks God exists. He says God. There must be some power that judges on that day, which is al-hakam, al-adl, al-hakim, has to exist in that other place to mete out justice. And so this, I mean, every single verse, if you look at it, in some way is entrenched. That's just one aspect. There's another aspect that is thought of, which relates to the beginning, which is going to take too long to explain. But, um, you know, the, 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 as I said, the, the beginning of the chapter seems very simple. But it's, 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 there is a lot, a lot of entrenched meaning in, in the Arabic that, you know, it's worth reflecting upon, inshallah. Reflections with Sheikh Razan Muhammad. Uh, this is... Uh end of our program today inshallah we'll be back tomorrow 7 p.m again until iftar time iftar today is 809 we leave you with a nod a bit of silence and please make dua for us when you're making dua for yourselves until then salam alaikum wa rahmatullah हम भी बेबस नहीं बेसहारा नहीं खुद को पुकारेंगे हम दूर से रास्ते में अगर थक जाएंगे जैसे बद नजर आएगा बंदगी का परीना बदल जाएगा सर झुकाने की फुर्सत मिलेगी किसे खुद ही आँखों से सजदे टपक जाएंगे हम मदीने में तन्हा निकल जाएंगे और गली 
भटक जाएंगे हम वहा जाके वापस नहीं आएंगे ढूंढते ढूंढते लोग थक जाएंगे फासलों को तकलुफ है हम से अगर हम भी बेबस नहीं बेसहारा नहीं खुद उन्हीं को पुकारेंगे हम दूर से रास्ते